are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. It's our favorite episode of the week, Matchup Wednesday. And I guess we could call it COVID edition because the Rams now have 16 players on the COVID reserve list. And we've got less than five days until kickoff at SoFi Stadium. So there's going to be some asterisks when we are looking at our matchups on both sides of the ball today, a, a little different element. And I guess that's what you expect in 2021 or 2020 as we're still in the midst of this pandemic. But as always, we'll be breaking down all the key matchups to watch on both sides of the football when the Seahawks play the Rams this weekend in week 15. As always, glad to have you on board joining us with your first listen. We're available five days a week on multiple platforms for free. So glad to have you listening in as always. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. As we get closer to game day in Los Angeles, the Seahawks making a trio of roster moves today. Most notably, Tanner Muse, who's been on the practice squad for most of the season. He's been called up for a couple games as a practice squad elevation. He is now on the 53-man roster. They promoted him today after putting Gavin Heslip on injured reserve. As we knew, Rob Heslip with breaking his tibia and his fibula on Sunday. His season's over. He underwent successful surgery. That's the good news. He is on his way to recovery. It's going to be a long road back to the football field for him, though. Not going to be returning this season. So Tanner Muse, former safety in college, now a linebacker in the NFL, called up to add some extra depth at linebacker as well as special teams. And they also signed Josh Jones, a former second-round pick for the Green Bay Packers out of North Carolina State. With Heslip now being done for the season, their safety depth is even more hindered than it was last week. Jones, the player that has started 24 games in the NFL, he's now in their practice squad. They can try to get him up to speed, and it's possible he could be ready to play in a game by even this weekend since he has played in six games for the Colts earlier this year. Yeah, it's a couple of interesting moves by the Seahawks. You know, um, they're two former ACC stars. Uh, you know, Tanner Muse, of course, as you mentioned, was a, a safety uh, for the Clemson Tigers, um, was drafted, I believe, in the third round by the then Oakland Raiders, um, and, and now has made that conversion over to the safety spot. Um, but as a former, or, or, excuse me, the linebacker spot. Um, and, and then you have Josh Jones, who was a former safety at North Carolina State, but he hits like a linebacker. So you've got two guys who are basically 6'3", 230 pounds, that both can run, both can absolutely hit. The questions about both of them, Corbin, has been kind of their coverage ability and things like that. But I think that they are special teams aces. And, and so considering the injury to Gavin Heslop and, and, of course, most of his production so far this season for the Seahawks uh, have been on the special teams, I thought they were two uh, really savvy moves at this point in the season. Muse was a player that you and I were both enthralled by coming out of Clemson as a convert to the linebacker position. I've, I was actually looking at him as kind of a Cam Chancellor type at strong safety. And this was obviously before Jamal Adams was acquired from the New York Jets. So you and I were both on board with the idea, even third round for the Seahawks, maybe they consider Muse and, and put him at strong safety. Well, it ended up with the Raiders and 
didn't get to play in any game. His last year was injured most of the season. Then they cut him at the end of training camp. But this is a guy that ran in the low four fours in the 40-yard dash at his size. And so did Josh Jones. He ran a 4-4-1 40-yard dash coming out of NC State. And what's interesting about Jones, this is a guy that started, I believe, seven games his rookie year for the Packers. And then last year he started 13 games for the Jaguars. He's been a guy that's been a very reliable tackler. He'll come up and he'll thump you well over 200 career tackles in the NFL. As you mentioned, though, it's been coverage issues, which in college, he was actually pretty productive. He had eight interceptions, double-digit passes defensed playing in the ACC. That has not translated the NFL, though, despite having great athleticism at 6'3", or on 220 pounds. He's had a lot of trouble defending the pass. Last year, the passer rating against him was north of 130. And that's probably the big reason why he is no longer in Jacksonville and he's no longer a starter in the league. But again, he has started 24 games. He's played in over 50 NFL games. He's just 27 years old. He's a big-bodied, strong safety. We know how Pete Carroll feels about those kind of players. And they absolutely needed depth. I think in week 15, you know, we've been talking Bradley McDougal and Tedrick Thompson and Lano Hill, former Seahawks safeties who were all free agents. Well, Seattle decided, you know what? We had seen enough of all three of those players. We are going to go with a younger guy that probably was on their draft board in 2017 in Josh Jones. And now they can get a chance to at least see him on the practice field. Maybe a guy, if he impresses the next few weeks, could get a future contract going into 2022. Yeah, I think he can. I mean, I can absolutely guarantee you that that both those players, Tanner Muse and, and Josh Jones, were on Seattle's board. At least they, they were uh, during senior bowl time when I had an opportunity to kind of talk with Seattle scouts at, at that point. Um, you're, you're talking about two players, again, who have elite straight line speed for their size. Um, while they lack the, the elite lateral quickness, the change of direction, again, that you can expose a little bit when they are playing in coverage. Think about special teams. When you're running down a kickoff, you're running down a punt. Essentially, it is a straight line route down to the returner. You've got to be physical. You've got to be able to make open field tackles. And, and so both of those two players are excellent in that. So, again, I, I think I feel very confident that both of them are going to be able to make a contribution to Larry Izzo's special teams unit should he need them. And there's a possibility for a need with Heslop going down. Obviously, neither of these two players are likely to play that same gunner role. But at the same time, just considering how good of a special teams player uh, that Larry Izzo was and what a great coach that he is at that position, and the fact that Seattle has consistently been able to kind of still find some of these diamond in the rough types as far as uh, you know, guys, street free agents that have been able to, to make an impact, then I, I do think that this is a pretty savvy signing by, by the Seahawks in both cases. In other news for the Seahawks on the coaching staff, this is the second straight year this has happened. We remember last year, Brennan Carroll, one of Pete Carroll's sons, left late in the season to take an offensive coordinator job with the Arizona Wildcats in the Pac-12. Well, they're losing another one of their prominent offensive assistants and a former backup to Russell Wilson at that to the Auburn Tigers. Now, Pete Carroll said that the deal was not quite finished when he talked to reporters a few hours ago, but it looks like it's going to happen. Austin Davis going to the Auburn Tigers as the new offensive coordinator. He's been the quarterback coach the last couple seasons in Seattle. Again, he was Russell Wilson's backup. He and Russell Wilson are very close. So I'm sure Russell Wilson's a bit disappointed about this development. But at the same time, I'm sure he's excited for his friend to have a chance at what would be viewed as a promotion. You are getting an offensive coordinator gig in the SEC for one of 
college football's blue blood programs at Auburn. So congratulations to Austin Davis. I would anticipate he'll probably finish out the season for the Seahawks, their quarterback coach, and then he's going to be on to Auburn and looking to progress his coaching career as an offensive coordinator at one of the best programs in college football. Yeah, I would echo that, Corbin. I mean, congratulations to Austin Davis. I, I certainly wish him well. Um, this is a former walk-on quarterback at Southern Miss to go back to the South. Um, as you mentioned, Auburn is as big of a program as there is, and obviously in the mighty SEC. Brian Harson, the, the new head coach at Auburn, um, you know, kind of cut his teeth at, at Boise State, a group probably pretty familiar with the work that Austin Davis did out here in the Pacific Northwest with the Seahawks, obviously. Um, again, because Austin Davis was, you know, from that region originally, that's going to be huge for recruiting for the Auburn Tigers. So congratulations to Brian Harson, um, the head coach at Auburn, Austin Davis, expected to be the offensive coordinator, as you said, uh, two young, bright minds at the coaching position. I will say this, with the Seahawks having Russell Wilson, having a, 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 a very good backup in Geno Smith, I think the quarterback positional group is still a very good one for the Seahawks. Yeah, I don't think that this is going to be viewed as like an end-of-the-world loss. Certainly, Russell Wilson, like I said, he'll probably be disappointed to an extent that his friend is no longer going to be there. But he's like Pete Carroll. He's going to be very excited for the opportunity that Austin Davis now has in Auburn. And, and certainly, he probably wants to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL when it's all said and done. This is that first stepping stone for you. If he succeeds in Auburn – again, one of the best programs in college football, then he'll be on the fast track. We see a lot of young offensive minds, former quarterbacks at that, getting chances as offensive coaches, offensive coordinators in the NFL. Austin Davis could be on the fast track to making that happen with this move going to the SEC. As always, it's Matchup Wednesday, so we're going to be diving into the matchups coming up here. Seahawks on offense against the Rams on defense. Super Bowl 56 is going to be taking place at SoFi Stadium, the home of the Rams, in less than 100 days. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. If you're looking for comfortable, sleek-looking socks to change up your footwear game, Stance has you covered. Founded back in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel, and they've got a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity. So Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. I'm a superhero nerd by heart, so I personally have two pairs of Star Wars and Batman designs coupled with amazing designs that match my personality and catch the attention of friends and family. They feel like clouds on your feet and they're top-notch quality. I've worn both of my pairs a bunch, and they've shown minimal signs of wear and tear, which has always been a problem with my big feet. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. That's promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less, of a life less ordinary. Visit stance today. 
All right, Matchup Wednesday, our favorite episode of the week, diving into matchups on both sides of the football. And obviously, we know these two teams very well. The Seahawks and the Rams getting together for their second matchup of the season at SoFi Stadium. We're going to start with the Seahawks on the offensive side of the football. It does seem like Russell Wilson's found his groove these last couple games. Then they get Rashad Penny going in the backfield against the Texans on Sunday. Tyler Lockett has a big game. The line's playing better as of late. So they're hoping they can continue that momentum against a much better opponent. But as I said at the beginning of the show, there are a lot of question marks, some asterisks when we're looking at the Rams on both sides of the football right now because they have 16 players, 14 players off their 53-man roster, two off the practice squad that are currently on the COVID-19 reserve list. We don't know who is going to be available for Sean McVay's team this weekend. So we're going to be gearing up this matchup Wednesday on the assumption that all the guys that are on that list could be available to play on Sunday because they're supposed to all be vaccinated. It's certainly possible that the majority of these players could be available on Sunday for the game. So we're going to start with the most obvious matchup here. Seattle's interior offensive line, Damian Lewis, Ethan Posick, and Gabe Jackson going up against number 99, Aaron Donald, as well as Sebastian Joseph Day, who I believe is probably the most underrated player on the Rams roster. He's a really good defensive tackle that unfortunately gets overshadowed as understandably by the greatness that is Aaron Donald. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he, he's, he wears number 99, but he's public enemy number one from a Seattle perspective. And, and so you have to have a plan of how you're going to be able to at least slow down Aaron Donald. And I 100% agree with you in terms of Sebastian Joseph Day. Uh, you know, he is, he is just a, a really athletic guy that, uh, that just pairs very well with Aaron Donald. One of the things I'm concerned about besides that matchup is the fact that you're very likely to see Jay Curran at the right tackle position. Um, who is likely to be going up against Leonard Little, um, as well as Von Miller at times. And so that entire Rams front, Corbin, is just absolutely formidable. And that is going to make it that much more critical that Seattle is trying to get the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands very quickly. Um, and that they also be able to try to establish the running game. So again, it starts with slowing down Aaron Donald. But I think that if you focus too much on Aaron Donald, then you wind up having a repeat of what we saw last year when it was Leonard Floyd, actually, who took over the game in two of the three games in which the Seahawks played the Rams. The other game, of course, the Seahawks won and were actually able to slow down the Rams a little bit. I had to laugh there because you said Leonard Little first. And I thought <laughs> Leonard Little came out of retirement. When did that get announced? But they might need to do it with the number of players that they have on the COVID list right now. We might see... We might see Kurt Warner coming out there at some point. They might have to bring in all their Hall of Famers with the way the roster is being sagged down right now by the COVID protocols. But nonetheless, yeah, you don't want to focus so much on Aaron Donald that it does open things up for the other players. But I would rather force the other players to beat me than let Aaron Donald dominate the game because he's just done that so many times against the Seahawks over the years. And he truly is the one player. And I, you know, maybe Von Miller still has a little bit of this in him, but he's now in the latter stages of his career. He doesn't necessarily take over games. Aaron Donald showed again on Monday against the Cardinals. Yes, he indeed takes over games. He wrecks games for opponents. And so it's kind of a tough situation if everybody's available because they have so much talent on a defensive line to go with him, kind of pick your own poison. But you still got to find a way to get 99 contained if you can, and at least limit his damage. That's much easier said 
than done. Going on to our next matchup here. We're going to go to the outside now. Enough of the big and heavies. Let's get to the skill positions. And DK Metcalf, finally, last matchup between these two teams. He scored a touchdown with Jalen Ramsey against him in coverage. Up to that point, Ramsey had really gotten the advantage in this matchup. He had really dominated their first couple games against each other. But Metcalf had a big game in that matchup back in week five. He even caught a touchdown from Geno Smith in the fourth quarter. And so that was one of the bigger games he's had this season. We don't know if he's going to have Jalen Ramsey across from him because Ramsey is one of those 16 players on the COVID-19 reserve list. He was placed on Monday. He's vaccinated. So maybe there's a chance he's back on Sunday. And me personally, as a football observer, you want Jalen Ramsey playing this game. You want the best players playing for both teams. And this is one of those get-your-popcorn-ready matchups. DK Metcalf, such a physical freak going against Jalen Ramsey, the best outside corner in the NFL. Of course you want them both available. And then at the other position, Tyler Lockett going up against Darius Williams, Russell Wilson's kryptonite. He's picked him off like 80 times in three games. Russell Wilson just – the ball seems to have a magnet to Darius Williams when Russell Wilson throws it. Threw a pick six in the playoff game last year. Williams got hurt in the first matchup and didn't play the entire game. Well, he's back healthy. He's been starting all their games recently. I would expect to see Williams on Tyler Lockett and D. Eskridge quite a bit. He's going to play snaps in the slot as well as the outside. A very versatile corner for them, a playmaking corner. So, again, the, the skill guys on both sides of this matchup. This is going to be a really appetizing one with Russell Wilson now clicking on all cylinders, throwing the football like we know he's capable of, going against that secondary with his receivers, get that popcorn ready. It's going to be a good one. It absolutely should be a good one. And I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, from a Seahawks perspective, sure, you, you hope that Jalen Ramsey doesn't play. You hope that none of the, the 16 players currently on the COVID reserve list for the Rams play if all you will care about is a Seahawks victory. But if you are a football fan, like you and I are, Corbin, then, then yeah, you want to see the best that they have to offer and you want to beat them on their home field. Uh, you know, and, and so that's where I'm looking forward to is that opportunity to to just prove that you are the better team, that you want it more. And so, yeah, for, you know, that, that's what you're hoping to see. Um, but at the same time, you mentioned all the big names. So, so let's kind of focus in on, on D. Eskridge and the fact that uh, he was unable to play for the Seahawks in the last game. Yeah, I think that he was drafted for exactly this type of a matchup. The Seahawks need him to be able to make some type of big plays and draw some of the attention away from DK Metcalf and from Tyler Lockett. And I'll also mention Gerald Everett. I really think that this is a matchup that the Seahawks need to get their tight ends involved. We saw a little flash of it with the uh, you know somewhat controversial touchdown that Everett had this last week. The fact that Will Disley made a couple of rumbling, stumbling kind of, a, of runs after the catch uh, against Houston this past week. The, the, the Los Angeles Rams have two pretty good safeties in Fuller and Taylor and Jordan Fuller and Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp is one of the most instinctive players in all of the NFL. He is one of the surest tacklers in all of the NFL. He is exactly the player I thought he would be coming out of the University of Washington. But the young man cannot run the way that some of Seattle's skill position players can. So if you have opportunities to free up Gerald Everett or D. Eskridge or Freddie Swain for that matter, um, you know, that's exactly the types of matchups that Shane Waldron needs to be kind of figuring out on the grease board to allow Russell Wilson to be able to cook in Los Angeles. I think that you led perfectly into what needs to be the third matchup. We could look at the tackles going up against, uh, you know, the pass rushers and different things of that the nature. But 
I, I think that the tight ends are going to be crucial for that very reason. Russell Wilson's going to have to be able to get the football out of his hands or else number 99, Aaron Donald, is going to be eating him in the backfield or he is going to have Leonard Floyd or Von Miller coming after him off the edge. He's going to have to get rid of the football. And I thought one of the biggest problems they had in that playoff loss against the Rams last year, the tight ends were getting open in the short to intermediate game but Wilson either wasn't throwing to them or he was throwing too late or inaccurately. It just, it wasn't working. They couldn't get the tight ends, the football and the Rams were giving those plays to them. So I expect much the same in this rematch. I think Will Disley and Gerald Everett are going to have opportunities. Everett didn't even get to play in the last game. He was on COVID-19 list. So this will be his first chance to play his former team. You can't tell me he's not going to be motivated to have a big game Russell Wilson needs to be looking for those tight ends in part because you need to get the football out and even the running backs going against their linebackers. They don't have great athletes at linebacker. Troy Reader is not a great athlete. He's made some big plays against the Seahawks. He's instinctive enough, but not a great athlete. Rapp is not a great athlete at the safety position. They might not have Jordan Fuller. He's one of their players on the COVID list. They're strong safety. So this seems like a game where getting those tight ends involved is going to be pivotal. And there's been a number of games I've said that this year that they haven't gotten it done. But maybe there's a little more reason to be optimistic now with how much Russell Wilson was getting those tight ends involved last week, especially working off of a run game that looks like it's starting to find a rhythm with Rashad Penny. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's the thing is you have to keep that rhythm with Rashad Penny. you got to work that young man into a lather, uh, whether it be just running downhill right at Aaron Donald whether it be throwing some little passes out in the backfield to the backs. Uh, you know, we, we saw the Rams successfully beat the Arizona Cardinals this past week. But one of the reasons why the Cardinals were able to stay in that game, despite some blunders, including two huge turnovers, was the fact that James Conner had a spectacular performance, not only as a runner, but as a receiver as well. And so that, to me, is going to be one of the matchups that Seattle has to take advantage of. Because as you just mentioned, the Rams linebackers are good football players. They're not great athletes. And I do think that that is something that Seattle is going to try to take advantage of. Again, easier said than done. you got to get past that defensive line. But I think one of the easiest ways to do so is to dump off those passes quickly to the running backs, to the tight ends, and then that might be able to set up the play-action game deep over the top to your big play-wide receivers. All right, we're going to shift gears now. Seahawks on defense going up against that high-powered Rams offense. A lot of matchups to break down. And really, this is one of them that's really hard to break down to three on each side because these teams know each other so well. But we're going to look at three matchups when Seahawks are on D going up against Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, and that high-powered offense. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich in decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And there are so many delicious flavors. Double chocolate, cookies and cream, my personal favorite, peanut butter, brownie. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. If you're friends with Santa, well, tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in the stockings this Christmas season. With so many flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. 
Like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off at Built.com. When the Seahawks are on defense going up against the Rams on offense, it might feel a little bit different this time around because both teams have had some major changes. The Seahawks are playing a lot better on the defensive side of the football than they did when these teams met in week five. They have lost Jamal Adams for the year, so obviously a big loss for their defense. The Rams lost Robert Woods, their second best receiver behind Cooper Cup. Kind of a 1A, 1B situation in a lot of regards towards ACL in practice. So he won't be playing in this game. He's out for the season. They do have Odell Beckham Jr. now, though, and he's got three touchdowns in three games since the Rams signed him. So not a true replacement for Robert Woods, two different kinds of players, but this is still an offense that's got plenty of weapons for Matthew Stafford. And I think that's where we need to start here. Sidney Jones and DJ Reed, you and I have dropped so much praise on these guys over the past few weeks, and rightfully so. They've been fantastic. But They have not had a matchup like this where they're going up against receivers like Cooper Cup as well as Odell Beckham Jr. And I think Van Jefferson can be thrown in this mix as well. Kind of the player that's starting to fall into Robert Wood's role for this team since they're without one of their better receivers. But this is a loaded receiving core even without Robert Woods. And the Seahawks corners are really going to have to be on top of their game because this is a real step up in competition compared to some of the teams that they faced off against in recent weeks. Yeah, it's kind of like we talked about when facing the Rams defense, then, you know, Aaron Donald is is enemy number public enemy number one. Same thing with Cooper Cup. I mean, he is just having such an extraordinary year. I'm so happy for him and all the success that that he's having, but again, from a Seahawks perspective, you want to shut him down. And, uh, you know, Sidney Jones is from the University of Washington going up against Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington years ago. I mean, they know each other very, very well, which is, you know, a little bit surprising, I think, for some considering the fact, of course, that Sidney Jones, this is his first year in Seattle. Um, you know, but again, uh, you know, Sidney Jones is one of those guys who has the athletic ability, has that quick twitch, uh, change of direction, has the straight line speed that it should be able to shadow Cooper Cup at least reasonably well. That's one of the things I am kind of excited about uh, with this matchup, because in the past when Seattle's had those long, lanky corners um, who may have good straight line speed, but couldn't necessarily change directions as well as such a fluid route runner like Cooper Cup, like Robert Woods. And unfortunately for Seattle, like Odell Beckham Jr. as well. Um, you know, that, that's going to make this a bit of a challenge. But to me, this is one of the things that, again, that makes it so interesting. The Seattle has gone with the small, the smaller corners that do have great quickness. So I, I think that uh, we have to be careful in just saying the two corners on the outside because of the way that the Rams are using Cooper Cup now. I mean, they're moving them just about everywhere. So to me, that's what's going to be really critical. I love that you mentioned both corners, even though I do think Sidney Jones is going to get an awful lot of coverage uh, against Cooper Cup. There's going to be times they're going to move Cup inside, and so you're going to be seeing safeties played up against him. When they move him inside to play a tight end role, as they did a little bit against the Arizona Cardinals, that's where it's going to be critical that Seattle's linebackers and defensive ends punish him, frankly, for getting that close to the line of scrimmage. Physically beat him up a little bit, 
And I, I hate saying that, but again, this is football. You got to get nasty a little bit. And that to me is the way that you slow down Cooper cup is you have to chip him. You got to do just about everything you can to kind of disrupt uh, what he can do because the man just has, you know, vacuum cleaners for hands with the way he is able to just kind of suck the ball out of the air and make big plays. And Odell Beckham, same kind of thing. I mean, his quickness, his straight line speed, he's not the physical player that Robert Woods is. Uh, but at the same time, he does absolutely bring a different element to the Rams offense. And so to me, it's all about slowing down those wide receivers, uh, kind of the opposite of what we normally do. We normally start off by saying you should stop the run. You got to slow down those wide receivers. And of course, that a big part of that is getting a little bit of pressure on Matthew Stafford. Yeah, we'll get to that here in a moment. But I, I just want to add to this. You, you mentioned the differences in Beckham and Woods's game. What Odell Beckham has given the Rams already that they've been missing really since Deshaun Jackson forced his way out of town. And Jackson's at near the end of his career, so he's not what he once was. But they haven't had that true vertical threat because that's not Cooper Cup's game. That's that's not what makes him one of the best receivers in the NFL. He does everything else incredibly well. They move him all over the formation, and he's able to make big plays out of the slot, playing him like a tight end on the outside, a first down machine. But Odell Beckham gives him that player that you can run slant and goes with, and he's so darn effective at go routes. He's still got tons of juice. They've been doing that with him a lot. You weren't getting that from Robert Woods. That wasn't his game. He was living in the middle of the field running – slants and in and out routes and crossers they'll do that some with Beckham but it's just a different challenge that can really stretch your defense out and with Matthew Stafford's arm that makes things dangerous which is why I think the second matchup that we need to touch on before we even talk pass rush you got to look at two really close friends that got to meet up in week five and Quandre Diggs got the first laugh in this matchup intercepted Matthew Stafford in the end zone, former teammates of the Lions, they still talk all the time away from the field. Diggs was able to make an incredible pick when Stafford thought, I'm just going to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone. And then here comes number six, flying out of nowhere, picks it off, gets both feet down in bounds, and the Rams go to the sideline empty-handed, no points. That was one of the reasons the Seahawks were up 7-3 to three at halftime when these two teams met in week five. And they were able to neutralize him some in the second half by getting those crossing routes going. Not a lot that Quandre Diggs could do with that, but I really am excited about this matchup because you know these two know each other really well. Stafford wants to take his shots, especially with another receiver now that can do it. And Odell Beckham Jr., Quandre Diggs is saying, bring it, buddy. I'm going to pick you off. So that that's the kind of matchup that gets me really excited. We get two guys that are such great competitors and they know each other, and both of them want to beat the other guy that really makes this an enticing matchup no it absolutely does i mean that that familiarity makes it kind of fun you know it's kind of like we talked about before with sydney jones and cooper cup uh you know i mean to me that was the exact throw that you're talking about the quandary digs i uh, got that interception um you know that was a classic quarterback throw the football away there, there's no way the safety should have been able to get that interception but because Quandre Diggs knows the way that Matthew Stafford thinks so well. He anticipated was breaking on the ball before Matthew Stafford ever even threw the ball um, and was able to make an incredible interception, as you just talked about. And so that, to me, is why this matchup is so interesting, because as you just described, Odell Beckham does bring a vertical element to the Rams offense. And that's one of the things that Quandre Diggs has done such a great job of. It's not just the interceptions. And obviously, he leads the, the Seahawks in interceptions. 
is one of the best pass thieves in all of the NFL so far this season. But it's the fact that not very many teams have been successful throwing over the top against Seattle. That is absolutely the most important thing in Pete Carroll's defense has been for a long, long time that you don't beat them over the top. And he's done a spectacular job of that. So to me, that's what's going to be interesting is if he is, in fact, playing on his heels a little bit, trying to slow down that running game, then is Seattle going to be able to slow down that intermediate zone in which Robert Woods has been able to feast? Um, now it's going to be up to guys like Van Jefferson. It's going to be up to guys like perhaps Tyler Higby, um, who was originally on the COVID-19 list, but now has been ruled off. Although two of the Rams' other tight ends has now been added to the list as of Wednesday. So that's going to make things interesting. So, again, I, I think that it's critical that, that Seattle's defensive backs make a big play in this game. Um, we talked about this on yesterday's show, Corbin, that uh, Matthew Stafford leads the NFL with three pick sixes. If you want to pull off the upset at SoFi Stadium, that's the kind of thing you're going to have to do. Is you're going to have to pull out some type of big turnover, perhaps take it back uh, to be able to kind of get momentum on your side. And, again, to me, one of the best ways of doing that is getting some pressure on Matthew Stafford. Going back to his days at Georgia, this is a guy that if you hit him a couple of times, he is not the same player. And so that's the thing is you're going to have to get some pressure on him. So to me, this is going to be about Seattle's speed rushers on the outside, especially with Rob Havistein, the, the, the right tackle uh, for, on the COVID list right now. And so who knows if he's going to be able to play. But uh, I have seen some encouraging signs from Daryl Taylor. I'm waiting to see more from guys like Alton Robinson, who's flashed, but some of the veterans like a Ben Simeoa, Carlos Dunlap, um, and then I think we can't have any conversation right now, considering how well Al Woods has been playing lately, without talking about the interior pass rush as well. Obviously, the easiest way to get into a quarterback's face is going right up the field, right at him. And that's something that Al Woods has been doing a heck of a job here in the last several weeks. Any way they can make it happen, the Seahawks have to find a way to get some pressure on Stafford. And it was interesting, that first matchup in Week 5, they were able to get some hits on Stafford in the first half. and. He also missed on some throws uncharacteristically where he did have a clean pocket. All of that changed in the second half. And the Rams started running crossers that, as Bobby Wagner told me today, were deeper than we saw on film. And they had the time for those routes to develop. That's the huge key here. There's only so much that you can do in coverage when quarterbacks have that much time in the pocket to throw. Receivers, especially as good as the ones the Rams have are, they're going to get open. And so that was the biggest issue in the second half of that game. Stafford was 12 for 18. He averaged 13 yards per attempt in the second half. And he was just lighting up this Seahawks secondary. He had a 68-yard pass to Deshaun Jackson that was actually underthrown, but it ended up working out in the Rams' favor. But otherwise, they were just peppering him with those crossing routes with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So that'll be something they're missing in this game with Woods. But Nonetheless, if you want to take away those deep ball opportunities to Odell Beckham Jr., you want to take away some of those deeper crossing routes that the Rams are so good at running in Sean McVay's offense, get after Matthew Stafford. Don't allow him the time to let those routes develop, and I think that is crucial in this game. There's no question in my mind. If you want to beat the Rams, you cannot let them replicate what they did in the second half of that game in week five because if they're able to get those easy completions on crossing routes and Matthew Stafford has that much time in the pocket, you've got absolutely no chance to be able to go on the road in the rugged NFC West as an underdog and get the win, even with Russell Wilson being back healthy. I just can't see it happening. To me, the pass rush is the most important thing for the Seahawks in this football game. 
I 100% agree with you. I think to me, and this is a little bit more of a hot take that I, I normally give on our matchup Wednesdays, but to me, the magic number is, of course, three. It always is with Russell Wilson. But on the defensive side of the ball, the magic number is five. I think that you have to have a combination of five uh, sacks or turnovers. If you get to that number, I think you can beat the Rams. If you don't, then I think the Rams can win this and perhaps even win this going away. Yep, I agree with you. I don't know that I'd go as far as five, but maybe four. I think that you've got to be able to create turnovers and you've got to be able to get to Matthew Stafford. To me, the second thing is what creates the first thing. You want turnovers, you better get pressure on Matthew Stafford. Hit him a few times. Force him into some tough throws. Don't give him time to sit back there comfortably. Then I think you can get him to try to force some throws into tight windows and take some chances, and that gives your secondary players a shot to create interceptions, and Stafford has been willing to do that some this year. Again, three pick sixes leads the NFL this year. He's a quarterback that you can be opportunistic against, but there's going to have to be some pressure on him from that front four to have any chance of creating turnovers and limiting that passing game. As always, we greatly appreciate each and every one of you making Locked on Seahawks your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. You can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on all of our available platforms, whether it's Spotify, Odyssey, the Apple Podcast app, you name it. We're on all major platforms, free to download five days a week. Coming up on our Thursday episode, as usual, it's our crossover special. I'll be teaming up with my good friend Sosa Kremenges of Locked on Rams to continue breaking down this upcoming Week 15 matchup. And of course, we'll be discussing where the Rams stand with their COVID situation as well. This is something we'll be monitoring very closely over the next few days to see which players will be available for the Rams to suit up against the Seahawks on Sunday. You won't want to miss the crossover episode. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.